This is the Living Fearless Today podcast, a show that helps men like you and me who are struggling to get unstuck and overcome fear to live confidently and courageously. I'm your host and transformation coach, Mike Forrester, helping you create the change you want now. Join me as I interview men who've conquered their challenges and soared to success as they spill their secrets on how they live fearless today. Well, hello and welcome back, my friend. And this week I'm joined by Kevin Palmieri. And Kevin's got an amazing story. I think many of us can relate with the fact of just hitting that point and going, I don't know if there's a next step out. This seems so overwhelming. I'm stuck in this position. Now, the thing that Kevin did was he jumped in and I'm so excited to to get into his story rather than saying stuck and saying, woe is me. He jumped in, took action and asked for help from those around him. So this is going to be a great one. Looking forward to it. Kevin, how are you doing today, my friend? I'm going to tell you the same thing I told you behind the scenes, Mike. I'm living the dream. I would love to say thank you so much for having me. I'm grateful for the opportunity, and I am grateful to talk to the amazing community you have created. Absolutely, brother. Great to have you here. Thank you. And, uh, you know, it's it's always being able to see the journey that somebody's gone through, being able to elevate and give us that encouragement that oftentimes we're not going to find from our friends, family, coworkers. So I appreciate you coming on, sharing your story and how we can make that transition in our life as well. Well, let's jump in. Like, what does life look like for you today on the professional side? So I have a podcast. We do an episode every single day. We just recorded our 1525th episode sometime last week. I don't know. I've lost track. It's been a wild journey. We have a 22-person team. So we have an amazing team of individuals who are on this journey with us. They do not work for us. They work with us in the mission. I get to do this full-time, right? I have probably 60-some-odd clients I work with, podcast clients and business owners. So every day, I get to work with people who are trying to have a positive impact on the world. And we've been grateful and lucky and privileged and worked hard enough to create a multiple six-figure business from the podcast. So seven years ago, I dreamed of what we have today. And quite honestly, I am living my dream. That's why I say it, but it is a very challenging, very humbling thing. So there are definitely rainy days in paradise. I promise. (laughs) Yeah. There's those challenges. It's just, what do we do? Does it become something that continues moving us forward or does it become the chains that keep us in place? Um, living small, right? Yep. Yep. So what does life look like on the personal side for you? I am married. I have an amazing wife who has been supporting me in this journey for a while now. I'm eternally grateful for that. Uh, I have two little kittens. Well, they're not kittens anymore. Two cats, Fudge and Ace. I have branded myself, Mike, as the ultimate cat dad. So I'm willing to battle anybody for that. I'm trying to be the ultimate cat dad. I am huge into fitness. I just went back to Brazilian jiu-jitsu, which is something I did when I was younger. I'm so grateful to be back there. And that really is it for me. I'm a simple man. I'm very, very simple. I love podcasting. I love speaking. I love coaching. I love my family. I love fitness. I love martial arts. You'll find me on the couch watching UFC pretty much every Saturday. That is that is what I do on Saturday. So I'm very simple, but I'm the most fulfilled. I'm the happiest that I've ever been genuinely. That's 
That's awesome, dude. Yeah, on Saturdays, you'll find me by by my smoker, putting some on the grill <laughs> and feeding my family, just, you know, uh, friends, you know, whomever comes around, just creating that community around me. Mm. So I love it. Yeah. I mean, it's like, what is what fuels you? What, you know, recharges you in the moment? Yeah. So you're living the dream now. And we talked about the fact that it's like you were in a different place before. Can you take us back to kind of what was going on from the outside? Everything looked great, right? You've got your girlfriend, you're making money. Things from the outside in that external aspect look great, but internally it was very different. What was going on at that time, um, you know, like that, that got you there? Yeah, if you zoomed in to my life when I was 25, you would have seen a young man who was making really good money in his job. I was in an industry called weatherization. So we would go into large buildings, usually state buildings or government buildings, and it was our job to make them more energy efficient. So I was getting anywhere from 60 to $120 an hour, depending on where I was working. Awesome. Love that. That looks really good. I had just competed in and won a bodybuilding show. So I was quite literally in the best shape I will ever be in externally, internally. That's a whole different conversation. Uh, my girlfriend at the time was a model, beautiful. And we had just got a new apartment together. So everything from the outside, I had a sports car, everything, everything looked amazing. If you, I had a really good social media profile. If my life was a social media profile, you would have been like, you know what? This might be worth a follow. But internally, I was not a confident man. I was super insecure. I was afraid of my own shadow. I had low self-worth, low self-belief to the point I had so much scarcity in my life. My girlfriend at the time came to me one day and she said, I'm, I'm ambitious. I have these dreams, these goals, these aspirations. I want to move from the East Coast to California and I want to chase my dreams. And I wanted to support that. I did. I wanted to. I just didn't know how. I was so scarce. I was so afraid I was going to get left behind. She might move out there before me. What if she meets someone better than me? What if she finds a new guy? And I just gave her every reason in the world, Mike, why she shouldn't do it. And I unfortunately pulled the, the wind out of her sails. And she left me, as she should have. And when she left me, that was my initial rock bottom. Who's going to love me? I'm broken how am I ever going to hold a successful relationship down? I don't even like who I am. At that point, I'm rebounding off of a bodybuilding show. So I have a mild eating disorder for sure. Work gets slow right after she leaves me. So I went from having what looked like everything to what felt like nothing. So I had what I think a lot of us, the, the conversation a lot of us have with ourselves yeah, I'm feeling all types of ways inside and I think there's something wrong, but I believe if I just focus on some external stuff, for me, it was money, that'll probably fix everything. There's, there might be a fire on the inside, but if I can make enough money, I think that'll kind of cut off the oxygen to this fire. So the next year I said, I'm going to make the most money I've ever made. And I spent 10 months living on the road because all of our contracts were out of state. I would pack my suitcase on Sunday, get in a work van, drive anywhere from six to 15 hours to a job site, stay there for a week. I would leave Friday and drive back. Sometimes I wouldn't get home until two, three, four in the, in the morning on Saturday. Laundry would go from the suitcase to the washer, to the dryer, back to the suitcase. And then Sunday I'd leave again. 
And that was my life for the entire 10 months, but I was making so much money. I didn't care. So we got to the end of that year and I opened my final pay stub and I made a hundred thousand dollars at 26 with no college degree. Felt really good externally, but I realized that it didn't fix any of my internal problems. I was still as unconfident, insecure, afraid of my own shadow, scarce, even though I should be so abundant. And I realized that for most of my life, I lived unconsciously. The opposite of unconscious is hyperconscious. So I started a podcast in 2017 called the Hyperconscious Podcast. I fell in love with it, much like you're in love with yours, as I can tell. And I wanted to do it more. I finally felt like I was doing something that actually mattered. I felt like I was impacting people. I was growing. I was contributing. But it doesn't pay the bills in the beginning. And there's not a line of people waiting to give you money. So I had to keep going to this job. And when I say I was homesick, it's not like I went to the office and came home that night. I was gone for a week at a time. I was depressed every time I was anxious, every time I packed my bag. That's actually something I had to get over traveling after I ended up leaving this job. So it ended up getting to the point where I was six hours away from where I lived in a hotel in New Jersey. My alarm clock went off at 5.15. I sat up. I slid to the edge of the bed. I was lacing up my work boots as I had done a thousand times before. But that morning, it was like there was 10 televisions on in my head at the same time, and every single one was on a different station. And maybe you've felt this before. One was saying, you're stuck here forever. People like you do not get opportunities like this. Never mind, leave them behind. If you ever worked up the courage or recklessness to leave this job, what would your friends think? You make more money than any of your friends. What would your family think? You make more money than anybody in your family ever has. You don't have a plan B. This kind of was your plan B. Like, we got lucky to be here. Do not throw this away. And what are you going to do? You really think the podcast is going to be the thing that you do? That's such a rare thing that happens. And it was in that moment, Mike, where I thought to myself, if I just take my life, I will take all of my problems with me and I won't have to deal with any of this stuff. So here I am six hours away from anybody who cares about me in a dark, crusty hotel room. And I reached out to one of my friends who's now my business partner. And I said, hey, Alan, you know, self-improvement stuff. You're, you've studied a lot of self-improvement. You're very intelligent. You seem happy, fulfilled. I don't know what's going on, man. I'm having, I'm having these feelings, these thoughts, these emotions. I, what do I do? And he said many things in his wisdom. He's very long-winded. But he said, Kev, over the last few years, your awareness has changed a ton, but your environments have remained the same. I think it's time for you to change your environment. And I ended up leaving that job three or four months later and then going full-time into the podcast. So in 2018, I left corporate America, for lack of better phrasing. And then I became a very, very, very broke entrepreneur who just wanted to impact people. So you, from $100,000 to $35,000 in credit card debt, faster than you would imagine. <laughs> yeah, like driving a Ferrari uh, down the financial freeway, right? Pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. Unfortunately, <laughs> I didn't know that at the beginning, but I learned pretty quick. Yeah, I'm like... You, as long as you're learning, it's like and can take action based upon what yeah. you are learning. I think that's one of the most powerful tools that we can have. Yeah. So if you were to, you know, be looking back and, and see like, hey, this is the freeway of life. What are some signs 
you know, if, if I'm going along that road, right, I'm in my twenties, my thirties, whatever the case may be age wise, and I'm going down that freeway, Kevin, what are some signs that I can look at to say you're headed to the same kind of place? It's a dark place and it is super lonely and just debilitating. How can I be aware to say, where's an off ramp? Where can I make an off ramp? Like, what are those signs that tell me that kind of stuff, Kevin? Yeah, I think one of the the hardest ones to admit, but the easiest ones to recognize is you find yourself saying, I will feel better inside when I will feel better inside because I had that. I'll feel better inside when I get a new partner. Right. I, I just got out of a negative relationship. The next one's going to be better. It was I had a good relationship. Sure. But it didn't fix it. If you are looking outside of yourself to fix yourself, for lack of better phrasing, internally, I would say you're probably going down a potentially dangerous road because here's what happens. You find a key, you put it in the door, it doesn't open it. You find another key, doesn't open it. And eventually you get to what you believe is the last key, which for me was that six-figure mark, and it doesn't open it, and it kind of breaks your spirit where you say, now what? I have no idea what to do. I have no idea where to go next. I don't know what key to go find. I don't know what lever to pull. I don't know what to do. So I think that's a really big one. A lot of us, unfortunately, we put off things because the necessity just doesn't seem high enough. That's a big one. And I would argue it's not as much of a sign as it is maybe a noise in the car that you're ignoring, but understanding that the level of self-awareness you have is one of the biggest keys to success and fulfillment success, because it's going to help you understand what you're really good at and what you're not good at and where are your blind spots and where's your ego holding you back. That's all huge there. But if you really want to be fulfilled, you want to be doing something for something greater than yourself. You want to be growing, contributing at a spiritual level. We have to understand who we are. And most of that is what has happened to us in the past. So a lot of the unconditioning I've done over the last seven years, it wasn't necessarily I'm working through what I'm dealing with in the present. It's I'm working through what is manifesting in the present that was created in the past. So maybe the question would be, how well do I know my vehicle? I'm cruising down the highway and everything seems, I don't know, it's maybe a little bumpy or maybe the brakes are rubbing. Gas mileage isn't as good as it once was. What could that be? The self-awareness of the vehicle which is us. We are the only thing we have for this lifetime. I would say that's another potential sign to look at. Just like we do maintenance on our cars, even if it's fine, I think we should do maintenance on our self-awareness as well. So I would say those are probably the the big two. Gotcha. So you said it was three months after you talked to Alan, right? You're on the edge of the bed, ready to just call quits. What did Alan like gift you with, you know, equip you with that helped you get through that three month stint from where you're on that edge of the bed to where you exited that job and said, I'm all in like, what, what got you through that? Number one was permission. I always say this. Imagine if I reached out to someone and I said the same thing. And they came back with, well, Kev, nobody really likes their job. 
So it's kind of, and this is kind of par for the course. Look at all the money you're making financially free. Why don't you just give it to next week? Have some fun this weekend and you'll be good to go Monday. Alan gave me permission to actually be dissatisfied with what I was dealing with. Not that I wasn't grateful for the opportunities that I was presented with, but I was dissatisfied with my life. I wasn't happy. I wasn't fulfilled and I wasn't hopeful. I didn't have any hope for the future. So he gave me permission to admit that and didn't make it wrong. That was one. Also, here's this is another thing that I think is very rare. So if you have someone in your life who does this for you, you have to cherish them. Alan gave me advice and wanted me to succeed regardless of him. There are some people in our lives who give us advice just so we can kind of make it through, but they don't want to give us advice to the point where we leave them behind. That was never a fear for him. He wanted me to succeed regardless of him. I'm blessed to have an amazing friend, brother at this point, and business partner that did that. The other thing was there was an end date on the suffering. The end date was, I won't even say an end date. There was an opportunity for an end date. I didn't know when the date was going to be. I didn't have it picked out, but I did know, yeah, this really sucks, but it's going to end soon. There is a new light at the end of the tunnel. That's not a train. It's a sunset. So I can continue going towards that sunset. It made me feel like the job became a little bit more expendable and I wasn't, I wasn't attached to it as much as I thought. Those were really the big things. And then here's the other thing. I felt like I was making progress towards the thing that I was going to next. So what would happen often at my job was we'd be off for a week in between contracts and I was fine with it because I had enough money to live. So when I was off, I would just get up and go to the gym early with Alan and we would just hang out and talk about philosophy or mindset or limiting beliefs. I felt like I was already on the journey to what I wanted to do with the podcast. So when I left, I knew I'd already have clarity. It wouldn't be, well, what do I do now? I already had a list of things I should have been doing. So I would say the, the positive opportunity, the positive understanding that I, yes, I'm jumping from here to there. I don't know what there is going to feel like to exist, but I do know what there is going to look like when I start that clarity really, really, really helped me. And I think I had Alan there with me. So I've had a business partner since before day one, which I am eternally grateful for. Yeah. Having, having somebody that walks through it yeah. is a, is a absolute game changer. Yeah. Um, and I think it's, it's almost like our goals, right? We've heard that we'll make bigger goals in the short term and an annual basis that are out of reach. And then, um, like long-term we're making smaller goals and we can actually accomplish our perspective around relationships isn't actually accurate because just like you've talked about Alan, man, he, he gave you like the map and not just the map, but you're driving through fog and he gives you the ability to see the road clearly. Even when you're kind of going, I can't make this out. He so, gave me so much, Mike. He, I'm yeah. he, at today's his birthday, actually. So shout out to happy birthday on happy 35th. I, for a long time, and I think this is super important to share. For a long time, it was really hard for me to elevate Alan mm. because I wanted to believe that I did it all myself 
or my ego felt like I needed to believe that whether it was so I could believe in myself more or I could have enough self-worth, whatever it may have. And I wasn't as, I could have been more humble. I do think I've been very, very humble through this journey because a lot of people have had the opportunity to work with Alan and nobody's lasted as long as I have. And I'm, I'm not going anywhere anytime soon, but I think I could have done a better job of saying, Hey brother, thank you so much for all you've done. Hey, thank you so much for calling me out of my stuff. Thank you so much for being there. That I think I could have done a better job of that. But I know oftentimes as men, it's hard to do that. It's hard to have that heart-driven, vulnerable, scary conversation. But one of the best things I ever did, and I remember when this happened, I started saying, I love you to my friends. I remember, I remember it like it was yesterday. We would all hang out. And at the end, I would hug everybody and say, hey, I love you, brother. And I, text me if you need anything. I love you. And that was just such an, that was such an important time in my life because it made me feel like we had real, deep, meaningful, authentic, not surface level ego relationships. So I think, what is the lesson in all that? I don't know. Make sure you hug your brothers tight and you tell them you love them because that's probably not something that a lot of us hear from many of the people in our lives, especially other men. I know I got laughed at a little bit in the beginning. And it was like, whatever, you can laugh at me you want. I love you. It is what it is. I love you and I have love for you and you're my brother and I want you to know it. It's important to me. So take that for whatever lesson you find in it. Yeah. I'm not, I don't think we hear it enough. It's almost like that band of brothers, right? You know somebody's got your back. They've got your yeah. side. They know you on a level that few others will. Yeah. And it's something that's so rare that it's become like an abnormal perspective when it should be something like expected. Like how are the men around me? Um, wanted to kind of go back. You had talked about your, your perspective was I have value when I hit a hundred thousand dollars. You then three months later jumped off and it's like, like you said, you're at 35,000 in credit card debt, right? (laughs) How did you, process it to say, no, I'm okay. I can stay on this path. Even though what you're looking at to provide that validation, you're going in the opposite direction. How did you keep your eyes going in the way that you felt like you were supposed to go and being guided by Alan? I'll never forget. I was, I was walking around the kitchen. So after I left my job, Actually, it was before I left my job. When After my girlfriend left me, I had a conversation with one of my other friends who was, he was an entrepreneur. He was getting ready to do his dream chasing. And he said, dude, I just brought it. I bought an investment property. It's a duplex, top floor, bottom floor. I'm going to live on the, the bottom floor. I want you to come live with me. Like you and I can split the bottom floor and we can chase our dreams together. And I was like, that's awesome. Let's do that. That's great. So I ended up moving in with him. I'm actually going to see him later tonight. We're going to hang out. And I was, he was at work one day cause he was still working his nine to five. And I woke up and I was walking around the kitchen and Mike, I'll never forget it. I remember thinking to myself, I am the brokest I've ever been. I don't have an income currently there. And there's no prospect of it. The money does not exist. I'm as single as I've ever been. And I have no prospect of love and nobody cares about the podcast. We're not successful by any stretch of the imagination at this point. But I remember thinking to myself for the first time, I'm really proud of myself. I'm really proud of what I'm doing 
and I'm very fulfilled. And I've never felt that before. I've never, ever, ever felt any sort of internal pride based on something that I couldn't see. When I was jacked and I was sharing pictures on social media about the veins in my legs, I was proud of that, but that was external. So at this point, I had no external validation. Now, here's what I think it was now in retrospect. I did not start this to make money. I started this to make impact. And I felt like I, even though there was three people messaging me, three people on Instagram that was me- were messaging me saying, oh, the podcast is really good. It helped me change my perspective. If I was doing this for money, I would have quit very, very quickly. But I was doing this for impact. I was doing this for, f- for fulfillment. I got that almost immediately because I felt like I was growing and contributing towards something greater. So that was part one. Part two, I don't know. Part two is rec- pure recklessness. I just trusted what Alan said. I, it was just, he said, Kev, if we do this long enough, we will be wildly successful, not just financially, but holistically. We'll have everything you've ever dreamed of. I promise. And I just remember thinking, I don't know if this is possible. I definitely don't know if this is possible for me, but I always knew it would be worth it if I could survive. That was, that's been my belief since day one. It's still my belief to this day. I am more overwhelmed today than I've ever been in my entire life. My life is harder than it's ever been, but it's also better than it's ever been. So I'm not saying that negatively, but my belief was if I can just, I might not be the smartest. I might not be the best speaker. I might not know almost anything about business, but if I can just suffer longer than anybody else, this will all be worth it. And I'll be able to provide something amazing for my future family. And I'll be able to have the level of impact that I want to have. And that was really the, that was the belief for me. That's what kept me going. And again, Alan, I'm, I'm blessed. I'm blessed that I've had such a wonderful business partner. Now, if I have, I had to put up with a lot of his crap over the years. Yes. Has he had to put up with a lot of my crap over the years? Yes. And I, the last thing I would say, long-winded answer, Alan and I went to middle school together and we went to high school together. So this wasn't some kid I just met on the internet. Like I had hung out with him. I played spin the bottle with the popular girls in his basement in middle school. I knew this person at a fairly deep level. And it was very coincidental that both of us grew up without dads. And both of us wanted to have a positive impact on the world. And that for me, it was like, I can see myself hitching my success to you because you have a great character as a man and you're just a good person. So that was a big part of it too, is I believed in the, I believed in the person. Yeah. I believed in the person that I was with and that's huge. Yeah. I think that makes a big difference because one, you're seeing his character, you know, his passion, his dreams. And it's so, so different than a lot of the people, you know, if we're at work around the water cooler, we're having Thanksgiving or whatever holiday with our family, the messages that you receive from somebody like Alan are like 180 degrees. Um, it almost mirrors. In fact, what you can get from your family and friends can mirror that internal negative self-talk that's like play small because I'm feeling small. So yeah. stay with me. And, uh, dude, and Alan is like the nitrous oxide that just gets you going. So as you're 
going along, right? You're feeling this fulfillment in your kitchen. You're like going, wow, this is, this is very, <laughs> very contrary to what I experienced before. Did things just run smooth or were there other things where it's like, you're still fighting to like, hold on to the new Kevin and that identity, that purpose, the drive. I mean, like, you know, did you, did you just kind of drive off into the sunset or was it, was it still work and kind of back forward, back forward kind of thing? If it was a Disney movie, uh, yes, I drove off into the sunset and we arrived here today with Mike, but unfortunately, no, that was not the case for me. No, it, it got harder. It got harder. I remember, I remember we were, we had a mentor named David Meltzer. And for those who don't know Dave, he's, he's very big in, in the self-improvement business space. And I remember we were on a coaching call with him and our studio was at Alan's mom's basement. Okay. Alan is still lived with his mom at this point because he was helping pay bills and trying to keep their house in the family. And I remember my question to Dave was, Dave, I am so broke. Like, what do I do? And he said, don't worry about it. Like, it won't be that big of a deal. No, no, no. You and Alan can't tell me the same thing. Like, this isn't helping me. I am, I am suffering so badly at this point. So badly. I I'm literally playing credit card roulette every time I order pizza. Like the discover, is that going to work? Chase capital one. Like which one of these has anything left on it? So that, no, the financial thing, that was like the thing for me. I am very certainty driven and I am very driven by money. And I didn't have either of those things. But what transpired from there was the self-belief. It took me roughly 150 podcast episodes to feel relatively confident as a podcaster. So I had done a lot of podcasting and I still felt terrible every time I got on the mic. I was always nervous. I was super insecure. When I left my job, we started, again, all on credit cards, but we started traveling. We lived in Florida for a month with one of our mentors. We went to a Brendan Burchard event in Arizona and I was having panic attacks. I was just, I never had anxiety like that before. We flew down to Florida to meet one of our mentors. And I remember lying on the floor in the bathroom of the hotel thinking I was going to die because I couldn't breathe and I had no idea what it was. I texted my mom. I used to have asthma. I said, mom, I think I'm having an asthma attack. Like, what do I do? And she's like, you got to go to the hospital. I was like, I don't have any, I don't have health insurance. I can't go to the hospital. I don't have any money. I can't afford it. So Alan went out and he got me Vicks vapor rub so I could put it on my neck. The only reason I wanted it is so I could prove to myself that I could still breathe. Cause if you can breathe that in, you know, you're getting oxygen. And that was the only thing I could think of. I had no, I had no idea what else to do. So I was dealing with that. That was brutal. Then my wife and I, we reconnected in 2019 and I couldn't afford to get her Christmas presents. I remember there, there was a year I, I didn't have any money. I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't get my car fixed. I got sent to collections cause I couldn't pay my car insurance and it's the worst. Like, Hey babe, you know, I know, I know I did six episodes last week and you know, we interviewed this person, but I'm, I'm going to need you to cover rent that. Oh my goodness, Mike, that was the worst. It was the worst. So yeah, no, it got worse somehow. It got worse after, after we went all in and it was, that's why I often say the mental health thing, that is no joke. If you're dealing with any mental health stuff, please, please, please find someone you feel safe, comfortable and empowered talking to. 
But things got harder for me when I left my job. They got more aligned. But the stuff that I have gone through to get to where we are today has been nothing short of torture. I wouldn't trade it. I wouldn't go back and trade anything. I would do it all again if I was forced to. But I had no idea it was going to be this hard. I remember last thing, and then I'll I'll get off this this rant. We were, you'd think this would be ideal. We were out in California for another event, and at this point, I'm still I'm still relatively broke, probably making a little bit of money, but not enough to to break even, probably. And we're at this guy's mansion, and we interviewed him in his movie theater. Okay, so this is supposed to be the best day ever. And we go downstairs, and every time he has guests over, he brings out his hibachi grill. And he cooks. So we're sitting by his pool and he's cooking. He's got a chef hat on and his apron and everything. And afterwards, we're having a conversation about business. And him and Alan are pitching and catching. And we left that night. And I told Alan, I said, dude, I'm supposed to be happy. I'm supposed to be, I'm supposed to feel really good about where we are, but I just don't feel smart enough. I don't know if I'm ever going to be able to hang in these conversations. It was terrible. I felt so stupid. I didn't feel good enough. I didn't feel smart enough. And he said, well, what if you're just not smart enough yet? And I said, what do you mean? He's like, well, you, you should probably have to study more. You have to study more. I've, I know a lot about business because I've studied it. I went to business school. It's like, all right. So then from then on, I, I focused on learning. So every time I've had one of those, we call it knees, like on your hands and knees, crying, dark night of the soul moments, there's always something constructive that's come from it. But it sometimes takes a week, a month, six months before you're able to decipher what the actual message in the, in the riddle was. Hmm. So when you're in those moments, how do you know what to lean into and learn from? I mean, it's not just, Hey, I'm learning, Mm. but it can also be like your, your focus in learning. Like, what are you learning from? What's, you know, like the, uh, specificity of it, right? Just going business. I mean, you could go anywhere and it could be totally vague. How do you determine, okay, this is actually what I need to learn within this area of my life where I feel like I'm deficient. I'm still lacking, but I want to improve just like you did that day. How is it that you get that clarity to, to jump off in that direction? Yeah, that's, it's a great question. What I have found is usually the thing that we have the re- the least amount of results in is also the thing that we've studied the least. So I would just start there. If you are struggling in your relationship and I come up to you and say, how many books have you read on relationships and nonviolent communication? And, and you say, well, I've never read any. Let's start there. Let's just baseline say anything that we're going to practice, we do need to study also. That would be one. But I think that uh, an important question is what is the truth of this? And then we have to work around the ego. Oftentimes when I say that, Alan said to me, what if you're not smart enough yet? I've had people say that's, that was bad advice for him to give you. That's not true. That was great advice to give me. That's the advice I needed. He didn't say, what if you're not smart enough? He said, what if you're not smart enough yet? That was the truth. Intrinsically, I was a valuable human being. I'm not saying I wasn't. But in the rooms I was in, my intelligence was not as high as it needed to be. That was the truth. So maybe sitting down and saying, what is the actual truth of this situation? If I was to sit with this and I was to give advice to someone, imagining that I am that someone, outside perspective, 
what would the actual truth be regardless of how it makes me feel? That would be part one, I would say. And then, then I would say if, if I was going to be unreasonably humble, what action steps would I actually take next? If I was in a room and I didn't care what anybody thought and I was by myself, what advice would I give myself? I think one of the reasons it's hard for a lot of us to transform is it takes extreme humility to start off so small. The first book I ever read was Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I didn't know what was going on in that book. I had no clue. What does any of this mean? Is this, am I going to be rich? Is, is that it? I just read the book. No, that's not how it works. Dang. Okay. So I think that's a, that's an important thing is when you have those hands on your knees on the floor crying moments, first you have to say, what does this mean about me? What does this actually mean about me? What is the truth? All right. With the most humility and the most self vulnerability I can practice, how do I get myself out of this? How, what can I do? What are the tactics? What are the tips? What are the action items? I have awareness now that I'm not where I want to be and I'm not sure why. What are the things that I can implement next to get a little bit more clarity? Hmm. That's what I would say. And then I think it's also check in on why you started this in the first place. That's always, that's always important. And this might sound cliche, but reflect on how, how far you came you might only be at step two, but you came from step one. And sometimes we need that perspective. When I am really low or really high emotionally, I always seek reflection. I need perspective. I need contrast because I know where I am right now. It feels really hot or really cold or really lonely or really successful, whatever it is. But when I look back, I realize either you've come a really long way or it's not as far as you think. Don't get a big head give yourself credit. So it really, the contrast I think is a super important thing for us all to seek. Gotcha. That, uh, that makes absolute sense. How are you like collecting and, and holding on to those things to look and see like, Hey, Kevin, you've made it this far in this amount of time, uh, you know, almost like, uh, like what Alan did. Alan gifted you the reflection to say, Hey man, your environment's not changed, but you've mm -hmm. changed. How do you keep that? Because dude, I know when I'm in like that spot of like, woe is me, you know, things are going rough. It is often hard to change my perspective. It's like a very intentional thing at this time. It's easier to flex that muscle. Right. Mm -hmm. But it can become a challenge to go, Oh yeah. Hey, and recognize those wins, those milestones that I've crossed. How are you going about doing that? I'm blessed because I have so much content to look back on. So for most people, what I say is create a folder in your photos app on your phone, name it for when times are rough or for when times are amazing. Sit down right now and record a video to yourself, video journal, what's going on. How fulfilled are you? How are your relationships? What's your relationship with your body? How do you feel about everything going on? How's your self-worth? How's your self-belief? How's your mental health? And just sit down and record an, an audio or video journal to yourself. And then next time you're struggling, that's where you go look. That's where you go look. Because as humans, it's so hard to recognize contrast. It's so hard to recognize contrast. We doubled pretty much the amount of money we made year over year, but it doesn't feel like it. If I didn't track the number, I would never have any idea because the struggle feels similar. 
Because when you're growing and you get to the level, then you start taking on the struggle that's required for the next level. So our, usually our day-to-day emotions aren't good representations of our growth. From day-to-day, progress is invisible. You can't really see it. I did several podcasts yesterday. Today, I am no measurably, be- measurably better. I might actually be worse. But if I look back on this interview a year from today, I should be way better than I am right now. But if I only looked at yesterday versus today, you're not going to see that much. So that's what I would say. I would say create an audio, video, even written journal. I would argue one of the, and not to, to blanket statement here, but one of the reasons that often women have more self-awareness is because they've been journaling since they were young. So they have a way better opportunity, potentially, right? I don't want to blanket statement, but they may have a, a better opportunity to reflect with clarity and specificity. So whatever your version of that is, if you want to write, write. I'm a video audio guy, clearly. So I would prefer video just because a lot can get lost in the translation of writing. But I've had people do this. I've had people in the beginning record a video. I had a young lady record a video when she first found our podcast and I had her next time she was struggling, I had to look back and I said, just wait, because I remember the video. I probably remember the video better than you do. And when she did, she's, she said, I can't believe I've come that far. And I said, I know, but it doesn't feel like you've come any distance really. So that's what I would say. Yeah. It's hard to often give ourselves credit and grace. Yeah. Um, you know, like you and I, I would give you grace in your struggle and encourage you more than what I would have, you know, for myself before. Yeah. So, well, last question, then we're going to jump into, uh, you know, how can, how can men reach out to you? What are, as you look back and you've focused on learning, like what are two to three books that have really kind of been the foundational ones that have said, um, you can look and say, this is what helped me to develop personally and to not just, you know, know that you belong in the room, but also be present fully Mm -hmm. in that room. Number one for me was mindset by Carol Dweck. I did not understand how fixed of a mindset I had slash that that was even a thing. I just thought that's the way I thought that was one for sure. Atomic habits, one of the best books on habits ever of all time. It just makes it simple. It just makes it super simple to understand. Look, you're not going to get it all done today, but if you can do a little bit more today than you did yesterday in five years, you're probably gonna be pretty good. I know that's oversimplification, but that that's been super helpful. And then. I would say just in terms of understanding humans, there's a book called Influence by Robert Cialdini. And it's just all about human psychology and purchasing decisions. That's helped me a lot as a business owner, right? I'm a, I'm a business owner as well. So that's been a, a very important book for me. And then anything by Donald Miller, he, he has a series, business made simple, marketing made simple, everything made simple. It's super simple. So anything by Donald Miller that I've read has been super, super valuable. I would recommend that to anybody who is maybe an early entrepreneur or wants to be a business owner later. Yeah, because we need simple. Of course. <laughs> we never complicate things too quickly. Yeah, of course. Simple <laughs> is simple is the way. I'm a simple creature. I like simplicity for sure. Agreed. A hundred percent. Well, Kevin, how can men reach out and connect with you outside of the podcast here? 
Yeah, I always just, my email is Kevin at nextleveluniverse.com. My emails are open. I do my own emails. If you message me questions, comments, anything, I will get back to you. Can I promise I'll get back to you the same day? No, but I promise I will get back to you at some point. You might even get an audio message. Sometimes I send those in email or video, depending on what's going on in the mood. So that is the best place to get a hold of me. If you feel like you're afraid to be vulnerable, I promise you can be vulnerable. I, that's what we've built our entire business on. That's what most of my relationships are built on. So you are safe if you want to fear chase a little bit and use me as training wheels. Fantastic. Kevin, I so appreciate it. Thank you very much, brother. It was my pleasure, Mike. Thank you for having me. Thanks so much, my friend, for joining me on another episode. If you found the information within the show helpful, please leave a review on the platform you're listening to. It helps raise the show's visibility so other men can join us in breaking free. See you on the next episode. And remember to continue putting yourself out there. Have a great one. <laughs>